The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Dev camp has come and gone. Free agency is here. We have ex- we have experienced the best and craziest of hockey in the last two weeks. You know what this and means. now we are into that horrible, terrible time where there is no hockey until that's, September. That's what I was getting at. Nobody's skating in any kind of organized anything. Which is hard, which is hard to accept for those of us who love the game so much. It makes it difficult. So now the countdown starts. We'll see the tweets every day. 67 days till hockey. 73 days till hockey. You know. Usually with a player's jersey number on it. Yeah. I, I mean, as far as Dev Camp goes, it was entertaining. Dev Camp was entertaining. Um, for listeners who have never been to uh, development camp, um, it's changed a lot. The, how the Bruins have done it has changed a lot since the first year or two we were there. Um, when we were first going over in Restusha, well over a decade ago, um, they were huge groups. We we're talking 60 plus players, um, 60 plus young men, about 50 50 uh, prospects, uh, owned prospects, and. Um, and invites. They're, and now it's. Go ahead. Now it's down to maybe ten percent total invites and about twenty-five to thirty people. Yeah, I think they had thirty-two when the count was finished. I mean, we had a couple that were off ice and and didn't for whatever and various and sundry reasons. I mean, at the beginning of the camp, Fabian Lysel was wearing a non-contact jersey because of his concussion. It, If you go back to those early days, though, it was not just the number of players on the ice. The crowds were bigger. And I understand they were higher draft picks back then. There was Dougie Hamilton. There was um, Tyler Sagan. Yep. Uh, they were, I don't want to categorize the crowds, but it, it was a different. It was definitely a different vibe, a more hopeful yeah. vibe, I guess, is. I don't know quite how to put it. Nice way of saying it. Yeah, without being too. Eh. Now it now it is more. It is more focused on on people that are there actually wanting to, not just catch a glimpse of the the new 18 year old and and what he looks like but now the people that are there are more interested in the actual talent level and what did we get for our you know for our draft picks or what did we get for our our money it's 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 very nearly nerdcore for hockey um at this point Uh, there were 32 players 30 of whom uh were on ice at some point um, I, I mean, I still enjoy camp a lot. Um, there's, 
you have to watch harder to differentiate with a 30 person group versus being able to spot the five worst players in 10 seconds like you could, uh, you know, nine, 10 years ago. Uh, and uh, the the top four or five players or six or seven players being equally easy to distinguish. I think there's a group of about six at the top of the Bruins uh, right now um, that are all worth talking about in the, for the next, like, three-year period, as in should be in the NHL in the next three years. Um, and if they're not, it's they're probably not going to be or not as, like, regular contributors. Yeah. Uh, but before we dive into dev camp, um, let's uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff actually going on in the league and the hockey universe at the moment. Um, right. I mean, right now, focus is on free agency and arbitration and, and arbitration. free agency arbitration. Uh, but there is there was a uh, there was a Mike. Um, Wow. There was a retirement that took me somewhat by surprise. Uh, Michael Stone retired. That's not the only name that came up as retired, though. I know it's not, but I I, he's played 552 NHL games. Yeah. Um, Most of his. uh, Blue liner, um, he was. He was a serviceable player. I mean, you don't get into – he was a serviceable player at the NHL level. Um, never a superstar, but certainly a guy who played his minutes uh, pretty well. Um, his time in the league was uh, – has been spent with – Coyotes, the play, uh, the Coyotes and the Flames, um, almost equally in terms of t- uh, years. Mm-hmm. Um, Three hundred and nine penalty minutes, fifteen. Only managed to get into fifteen um, playoff games, but in his last playoff run uh, with the Flames last year, he played nine playoff games and picked up five points. You know, two goals, three assists, which. For a guy who only scored 41 regular season goals in his career, that's saying something. Um, 33 years old for Stone. I have the sneaking suspicion he'll probably be on someone's staff uh, in the near future. Wouldn't surprise me. It, it seems to be the play. It seems to me the players that kind of sat middle of the road and I'm not saying that as an as an insult he he wasn't a he wasn't a, a stellar superstar but he wasn't in any way or shape or form awful he just, he was serviceable he was a solid defense he was a solid player and they're the ones that seem to because they had time they've had time to study the game on a different level they they're the ones that seem to make the best coaches whether it's as an assistant or as some kind of a scout or whatever they seem to have they've acquired more of that knowledge whereas it it seems like when the superstars try to go i mean gretzky has never really been successful as a head coach no um 
And Patrick Roy has basically been <clears throat> he's led a cult of personality in the junior levels. Yeah. He had a solid single season as a head coach in the NHL. But I don't know that he's actually cut out to be a I worry that it's his demeanor. Yeah, but it's not just his demeanor. It's the it's the underlying personality. Patrick yeah. Roy, even at 50-odd, is still a very <laughs> fiery personality. Agreed. But then you um, look at but then you look at guys like Mike Sullivan over in Pittsburgh, Stanley Cups, longevity, consistency. Yes, okay, you want to stop and look at his roster. Yes, he's had Sidney Crosby, he's had Evgeny Malkin. But it doesn't just come down to, hey, we've got a couple of superstars. I mean, he still has a job to do. But you look at those guys, you look at guys like that who didn't, and as much as I, I don't want to agree with this statement, but Cassidy has now won a Stanley Cup. He's been to the finals twice. The final or twice. you could you could put Claude Julian in that range in that range too. Yeah. So that, um, that I mean that's that's the point. Trots. That's the um, point I'm trying to make is that it seems like the guys who weren't necessarily the top stars in the league they I get the feeling that it, it has something to do with the fact that the focus being so on them and they spend so much time affecting their on ice craft that they don't have time to study the game the way a mid-level player would that's part of it but i think you i think you actually hit on a really important part i think that when you're talking about a guy like patrick Roy, who's a goaltender and i think that's a separate category from a, a skater who's at the high end um but when you're talking about a high-end defenseman a high-end forward coaches build around them i am sure that Alex Ovechkin has not been told by three separate coaches in his entire playing career that he needs to get the puck to certain other player or make space for someone else to shoot. It's always been about, hey, Alex, we need you to score three goals tonight. Yeah. With, with uh, Gretzky, it was, we're going to put you on the ice. This guy is going to protect you. That guy can also shoot. Have fun. Um. And yeah, that exposure to the coaching because you're on the bench for 45 minutes of the ice time and you're not necessarily focused on your recovery from your last shift as heavily. So you're getting you're, you're able to listen to what the coaches are saying about the rest of the game. I think it's hugely important. I, I really, really do. Uh, I mean, look at Marco Sturm. Marco Sturm was a really good middle six forward. He played yeah. a top six capacity here during a time. The Bruins weren't great. Um, but then he goes and helps regal the German program, gets them into the top tier for the first time in years and years, if not ever. Um, and now he's helping run a, uh, AHL pro AHL team. And it, I, it will not surprise the, me if he's in the NHL as a head coach or an assistant head coach within the next three years. I thought he's in. I thought we talked about this. He's in the. He's head coaching in the O right now. Yeah. Uh, 
No, it's the Ontario Rain. That's oh, the, Ontario the Rain. That's Italian. that's where I'm getting the O from. Oh, it's okay. Chris just needs more coffee. Um, but yes, Michael yes. Stone is actually going to be joining the Flames uh, development staff. See, already starting. I thought I'd read that before we started talking, but um, I just wanted to reconfirm it. Um, what else did we have on the board? Um, well, the other retirement is, and we haven't talked about this. I don't think I'm as surprised about this one. I mean, the, uh, the he's not a young man, at least hockey-wise anymore, but two-time Stanley Cup winner, Patrick Hornquist. He's 36 years old now. He only managed to get into 22 games last season for the Panthers. Uh, most of it he missed due to a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his quote is, I've been in this bubble since I started to play as a kid. Hockey has been a huge part of my life, so of course it's a difficult decision to make. It will be a big transition, but it feels good now. I'm looking forward to the rest of my life. It's the most important thing. I'm feeling fine now, and hopefully I have many fine years ahead of me. And with my history of injuries, I don't want to risk any future harm. So uh, I can't blame him. Typically players tend to stick around one season or two seasons too long. He's recognized that this is a good time to call it a day. Two Stanley Cups, 36 years old, lots of big moments in the NHL. Uh, he had He's had 53 points in 106 Stanley Cup playoff games. He had the cup-clinching goal for the Penguins in 2017. I mean, a career like his, you have to step away and, and be proud of it. So I wish him the best of luck. It doesn't say what he's doing in his future endeavors. I don't think he knows yet. I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to be one of those guys who will probably step completely away from hockey for a little while. Um, You know, he might. I mean, we've seen ex-hockey players become car salesmen. We've seen them go into everything. Yeah. Maybe he goes into real estate or something like that. Yeah. for a lot of guys, I, I imagine the itch to get back out there and play one more season, one more game, have one more playoff run is really, really big. And I uh, I run. I want to read one quote from his last coach, mm-hmm. Paul Maurice in Florida. Patrick Hornquist is a great story for us. He is a hard driving man. He's a hard driving fit man. He would be very similar in Carolina to Rod Brindamore. He's in that gym, and now it's over for him, but he stayed. And when we have injured players, he skates them, he drives them. You've got to keep up with Patrick if you think you're ready to play, which is no easy task. You can't say a whole heck of a lot more than that. I mean, the guy... The guy gave it. Guy gave what twenty years, fifteen years to the NHL. Gave his mm-hmm. half his what it would be perceived to be half of his life to, to to the game of hockey. I mean, is he going to come back to it? It's possible. I mean, the attraction is there, I'm sure. But yeah, I think a couple of years step away and 
just enjoy life a little bit, why not? Congratulations. Sit on your butt, do some traveling, spend (laughs) some time with your family and friends, figure out what it's like to be a full-time dad if you have kids or whatever. Um, He's also got a gold medal from the IAHFs. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say you've had a bad career when you get to win the Stanley Cup twice. <laughs> Very true. Um, what else is on the board today? Did we want to talk about free agents? Uh, some of the free agents were kind of surprised <laughs> they're still available, or did we want to drive, dive into camp now? There's still good free agents available? All right, let's talk about some interesting free agents. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Camp's not going anywhere. Go right ahead. For me, one of the guys I think is shocking to still see him available. And I do mean that shocking for in a real sense and not in a I need to say something interesting so people will keep listening sense. Okay. Um, Ethan Bear. He's 26, 27 years old. Um, he's no. of all of the UFAs of all of the UFA defensemen. I believe he's uh, tied for the top in scoring. Yes, this is not the greatest, um, the greatest UFA class of all time. I understand that, even allowing for all the players who have already been signed. But yes, of the. 21 um, of the 21 UFA defensemen available, Ethan Bear at 26 years old, as a right shot, right defenseman, is tied for first in scoring. The other two guys plus minus are even at zero and minus 19. Um, the next guy behind him, also a right defenseman, also a right shot defenseman. Uh, and that's Matt Dumba. Um, for whatever reason, Ethan Bear did not receive a qualifying offer uh, from his team, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, um, which just tells me more about the Canucks than it does Ethan Bear. <laughs> Thank you. I was gonna. <laughs> that's what I was uh, thinking when I when I wrote down his name. Now. My my thing with Ethan Bear, the only thing that gives me pause, he's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. He's played for he, – he was drafted and played his first three seasons for Edmonton, then did a season in Carolina, has now done a season in Vancouver. So whatever team he lands on next to play his 252nd NHL game and more – will be his fourth team in like five years. Now, two and a half of those seasons were a mess because of the pandemic. But is this an off-ice issue or a work ethic issue? Because he's at that point where defensemen start getting the NHL and the pace and positioning and everything like that. Mm -hmm. If he's a... I mean, if you're looking at the Canucks and you pay and 
as a rule, I don't pay any attention to plus minus except within a team. Um, they were not a good team last year, which is again, being polite. Um, and yet he's at a plus six. He had to have been near the top for any team, for any player who played, I don't know, 20, 25 games. Um, so is it, is there an Ethan bear issue that contributes to him not having a contract yet? Because you can't tell me that there are no teams out there who can afford to give him two and a half million on a, on a one year deal or 1.8 on a two year deal. Um, yes. Looking at the team, there were seven players who had a positive plus minus who played more than 20 games for the Canucks last year. Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, Andre Kuzmensko, Luke Shen, Ethan Bear, uh, Ilya... <coughs> Apologies. Uh, Ilya, Ilya Michiev and Bo Horvat. Everyone else was a negative. Uh, and that's a total of... With a total of 23 players, he was automatically... You know, he's fifth in plus minus on a not good team. Um, average 1832 a night for ice time. You're not giving a terrible player 18 and a half minutes of ice team, ice time a night. It just doesn't happen. No, not 18, 14, 12, yeah. <laughs> eight. Sure. But 18, uh-uh. one of his goals was a shorthanded goal. Um, so that tells us already that he's being used at least um, uh, in or in uh, shorthanded situations as well. Just looking at the list of what teams have the money, have money to spend right now. They know need someone useful. Um, you know, Chicago has 17 million in cap space. Uh, Anaheim has lost a couple of defensemen. Chicago, I mean, San Jose, they have seven million, six million in cap space and 21 had signed. They could certainly use a solid defenseman. Philly, um, they're rebuilding. They could a show me deal for him or even signing him along signing him to like a three-year deal at two and a half million. You know what? At worst, you have an asset. Uh, if he turns, if it turns out he's reasonable or continues to be reasonable, continues to grow, but doesn't want to be there. Um, Montreal is, uh, they're a hot mess, but you can't tell me. There's not at least, you can't tell me there's not at least three teams who could have signed him by now and improve their situation. I agree. I, I like I said, he's the first name I wrote down. I mean, the second name is the other guy you mentioned, Matt Dumba. The the fact that he's still, his name is still out there. But it, between Ethan Bear and Zach Whitecloud, I I love both of them. I, I the fact that we the fact that the Bruins didn't pick him up on you know at some deadline was a surprise. And you, know, I like Ethan Bear. I don't understand what the 
disillusionment is with him because, yeah, 18, 18 plus minutes a night is not somebody that you don't trust. And looking at the other defensemen who are available, I think there's maybe three that have similar or, yeah, there's three guys who had more ice time last year um, who are UFAs. Matt Dumba, Simon Benoit, and Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones is not his brother. Uh, yeah, he's still a better option than second best option still available in free agency as far as defensemen. I mean, is obviously Dumba, but he's going to cost more. I think you can still get Ethan Bear on a decent contract, and and why wouldn't you give him a chance? I mean, everybody's signing one-year deals because the potential of the cap increasing next season, twenty-four, twenty-five. Yeah, and if if you're if you've got a young core, if you're rebuilding, um, signing him and then trading him, well, he's still cheap with time remaining. It's not there's there's nothing to lose there. I mean, who else are you going to sign? Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben played fifteen forty eight a night last year and only got into twelve games. Cal Foot is two years younger but hasn't proved anything. Yeah, he's not his dad. Alex Edler, is that your solution? Alex Edler, I believe, is four hundred and seventy two years old. He's only 469 years old. Oh, jeez. But it's easy to get confused when they're that when they've been around since before electricity. Well, it makes it very difficult to play hockey with candles all over the place to light it when it keeps melting the ice. So, yeah. Oh, and the faster skaters are blowing the candles out too. <laughs> But, I mean, I mean, Alex Edler is going to – is 37. He'll be 38 before the end of next season. He's got thousand NHL games uh, on his uh, on his body. Yeah. And his point totals have been declining. I mean – Well, it, it got to the point where he was the only – until they drafted Quinn Hughes, the only defenseman that Vancouver had was Alex Edler. <laughs> so he – He's those those games are hard games because he played mega minutes. I, I don't get it. Uh, who else is on your list? Uh, I kind of understand. No, I don't. Well, yeah, I do. But he played for the Ducks, so I'm not really sure. But he's a young guy. The forward. Played most of, most on the wing, not a huge faceoff guy. So, but got talked about a lot while in Anaheim. Max Comtois. He's played 210 games over. He, he's now in his going into his sixth year in the league. Yep. He's not a huge points guy. We're talking probably third line at best. But his time on ice per night, he's averaging about 14 and a half minutes a night 
on the ice. We're not talking huge money here unless that's the issue that's holding him back. But at this point in time, 210 games into his career, you can't look at the plus minus because if you look at that, you have to look at the overall team that he's been playing for in the last five years. And Anaheim has been less than good. Oh, aren't we being generous today? (laughs) He is. His points production is not, like I said, point production, not huge. He played, he scored 33 points in 55 games uh, back in 2021. Uh, We know what year that was. Uh, the following season, 52, his his numbers went down to 16, and the plus mi- the minus went to minus 17. And then last season, he played in 64 games. He had 19 points. It's not you're not signing this guy to be top line left wing, top line right wing. You know, this is a guy who's gonna factor into your bottom six, most likely on a third line. But the production is there. The talent is there. He just needs a new – he needs a new home. This is somebody who could benefit from going to, I don't know, go to a Nashville. Go to a – heck, if he went to Seattle. A change of pace, a change of scenery. He needs to go somewhere where there's going to be guys who can. I mean, he's six two two ten. He's not a small guy. I'm not saying that he should get seven million dollars a year, but this is a guy who, if you throw a couple million dollars at him, give it a whirl. He's not going to hurt you. He's just not going to score you seventy, eighty points in a season. At least he hasn't shown it. But he's a solid middle six, I would say third line forward. Left winger. Makes sense to me. I think that I have to put Pius as suitor into this conversation. He as was well. he was my next he was my next name. What concerns me is again he's been playing for some less than good teams. But he's he's still managed to be consistent. Like his he scored 14, 15, and 14 goals in his three seasons in the mm-hmm. NHL. Um, he's not taking a lot of penalty minutes. Um, I think there's still something there. You watch him skate. He moves well. He's not a big guy. Um, he plays both center and left wing. Uh, he's, he's, not a, really, he's not a – he isn't strong in the faceoff circle. I believe his career faceoff percentage win is only like 46, 47%. He's not strong on the faceoff circle. I think you'd get more out of him as a winger. Um, he's He was undrafted. His last contract, if he's using that as a benchmark, that, that may be some of the trickiness for this season in particular. Um, his last contract was for three and a quarter uh, for two years. Um, I don't think he's going to get that this year. If he goes and plays in the Swiss Hockey League or um, the KHL for a year and comes back, he'll probably get it. But this year, I I can't see it happening. If he takes two and a half some from someone on a one year deal, I think he gets signed. 
Um, but yeah. I can't see him getting north of three right now. No, and, and and I don't know if that's like the basis for him signing somewhere. I don't know if his agent is holding out for <laughs> for that kind of money. But I think that both of these guys, I think both Max and Puce, uh, Puce Suter has obviously been the two different teams. He started in Chicago, and then after his rookie season, they dealt him away, uh, which was a little odd. I didn't see it at the time, but he goes to Detroit where they aren't strong. They're still rebuilding. So his numbers aren't going to look phenomenal there either. He's averaging just under 16 minutes a night. Uh, he's got almost the same. He's, he's played six more games than Max I, in only three seasons. I mean, if you look at Max, he's got five years, but the first two years were a very minimal number of games before he finally called up in his third season. I, I think either one of these guys, if you can get them in somewhere in the range of, of, of two to three, somewhere in that range, even if it's on, again, a show-me type of deal, a one-year deal, and then see what happens in this season, and then with the cap going up, maybe you get a little bit of a raise if, you, if, if the performance is there. I think both of these guys can be had for short money, and hopefully they're going to show you what they can do to try and earn that big-time contract. I think I'd go after Max first. I mean, size-wise, he's bigger. He's got he's got a little bit more. I just worry about I worry about Pew Suter whether you're going to play him at center or not. I mean, I think that he's better off being a winger. His he's not strong in the face-off dot. And he's not a he's not a he's not a big hitter. No. Um, and I think for those teams, I think there's, I think there's still other options, but I think we've covered pretty much everyone. Well, those, th- I mean, you, you, you stole my first one, you stole Ethan, but I figured we were both going to talk about him at some point because we both like Ethan Bear. So those were my three though, Ethan and Max and Puse. Okay. On to the main event. <laughs> okay. Or actually, no. There was there was someone else uh, who comes up in this who we saw mentioned in a story. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's get that out of the way. Um, Philip Zadina. We actually talked about this one a little bit before uh, we hit record. Um. For me. I don't have anything against Philip Zadina. Okay. 23 years old, six feet, 197 pounds. So I like, I think that's a good solid size and weight. Yeah. But the fact that he only made it into 30 games in the NHL on a not very good team. So there wasn't a lot of competition to keep him off the ice. Um, that's a little worrisome. And well, he may well just need a change of spa- of place, a change of scenery, which which has certainly worked for other players and will continue to work for other players in the future. Yes. 
Um, people have been speculating that he should come to Boston. He plays right wing. I mean, for Boston right now, the top two right wings are DeBrusque and Pasternak. And who the third right wing is at that point is anyone's guess. Because... I think, I, go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, I think he could slot in as a, as a third line right winger. But a lot of it hinge, a lot of that discussion hinges on where are you going with Krejci? Where are you going with Bird? It, like everything is held up because Sweeney is waiting for them to decide what they're doing. Absolutely, and you still have you still have the RFAs who haven't um, yeah who haven't had arbitration yet or haven't filled their had had their deals finalized. One of them. Trent Frederick spent most of last season on the right wing. Um, that, that's you know, what was, I was just about to say. Yeah, it was mostly Hall and then Bertuzzi on the left with Coyle at center. Um, but. He did play a 10 or 20 game stretch at center. Um, if he can get a little tiny bit better at faceoffs, maybe he maybe he claims the third line center center role this year. I don't think it's going to be Zadina. He's taken a total of 38 faceoffs in his five years. I think <laughs> Brad Marchand had almost that many last year. Exactly my point. So Zadina, no matter where he goes, is, mo- is I'm pretty sure going to end up being a winger. He's not he's not a center, but he's averaging just under 15 minutes a night. I get the whole worry about why he only played 30 games. Uh, season before that, he appeared in 74. Season before that, which was the 56 game season, he appeared in 49. I don't know why the downward trend. As far as uh, from last year, from the year prior to last year, he's coming up on 200 games in the NHL. He's only 190. He's got 68 points. The minus 51 again, like you said, plus minus team stat. Is it? You know, he he's not playing on a good. He's playing on a less than good team. Uh, I I don't know if the money were right. I don't have a problem with like a Boston taking a shot on him. Uh, pro, uh, Nashville was another landing, a potential landing spot. Boston kind of makes sense only because of the culture, and by culture I mean the fact that there are four other, and potentially five other, Czech players on the team. Because you got Pasta, you got Zaka, you got Saboro, Lauko, and Lauko. Thank you. I, I, uh, and then if Krejci decides to come back, I mean, he's certainly not going to be alone, so to speak. And, you know, if that helps him, great. Um, but he also needs to. Do... But the thing is, they're going to if he were to sign here. Yep. Those are players that are going to hold him to a standard. Uh, oh, yeah. whether, you, whether you want to believe it or not, Pasta was still runner-up for the Hart Trophy. Yeah, they were giving it to McDavid no matter what. Yeah, they were giving the Lindsay Award to McDavid no matter what. Pasta was still Pasta was still second. He, he's there's going to be a standard there. Zaka it had 
arguably the best year of his career last year with the Bruins. Oh, hands down the best year of his career. If Krejci comes back, Krejci's going to hold him. He's not going to be able to get away with just mailing it in. Because players of his own nationality are going to hold him up to a higher standard. Get that, hopefully, get that work ethic out of him. I think if the money is right, it's not a bad idea. I'm not wild about it. But that being said, yes, he definitely is one of those players that is going to benefit from a change of of, of venue. I mean, past uh, Zaka had almost. Had, was 21 points better last season than his previous career high. His first 20 goal season, and he's been in the league since 25, uh, since 15, 16. Yeah, I mean, you're coming to a, a an original six organization. And even if the even if none of those players held him to any sort of high standard, you've got Brad Marchand and. Milan Lucic and Matt Grizzlick <laughs> and Charlie Coyle on and Charlie McAvoy on the roster. You mm-hmm. bet your backside they are going to run you until you until you fall, jerk you up by the back of your neck, and, and run you some more. Is Milan still going to be that? Are we expecting Milan to be that voice in the locker room? I can't expect him not to be because he is that emotional. <sighs> him and Bergeron in very noticeably different, with very noticeably different person uh, outward personalities, are both tectonic plates em- uh, emotionally for whatever locker room they're in. Like you can't, you might not be able to see it. But you will damn sure feel it when they're in a mood or want something. Nah, I don't believe that about Milan. He's he, he keeps it all inside. Yeah, he 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 doesn't. <laughs> okay, tried to do that with a straight face, didn't work. Um, yeah, I I think that. Part of the reason for bringing him back, not just the fact that he wanted he, he I mean, he said many times, even while he was in L.A., while he was in, Cal, you know, that Boston is like home for him. I think one of the interviews I saw, there was a tear in his eye. I'm pretty sure. But like man. Elon Lucic listening to that call with him from Neely after the contract. He sounded like one of those little kids who awful parents surprised with their with their other parent coming home from the military in public places. Like that level of excited and content and happiness. I was going to ask if he sounded happy to you in that in that phone call. (laughs) I just I I think that Zadina could benefit from coming here. but the money has to be right. And I don't, again, Sweeney has other things to worry about. So before I, we get too far off topic, yeah, um, I'm going to drag us slightly off topic a little bit more and then Sweet. we'll dive back into camp. Excellent. How many goals do you think Lee Chuch gets this season for Boston? Assuming he plays 70 games or more. 
Twelve. Wow. That would be the most goals he's had since the 16-17 season. Really? What the hell's he been doing? <laughs> um, skating hard, throwing the body, and occasionally feeding people their teeth. He's going to do some of that here in Boston, too. And uh, I really would not want to be on the ice with Lucic on his first shift back in Boston. Because <laughs> anyone who marginally crosses the line is going to, at minimum, get hit very, very hard with a shoulder check. Hit very hard. And nice. if it's more than minimal, his gloves are coming off, whether yours do or not. <laughs> Uh, is there a possibility that we see a replay of the Mike Van Ryn hit? <laughs> I don't know if Luch can skate that fast anymore. Oh, okay. That was quite the video. I've watched it many times. It's going to be nice to see him back. I know that. I know that Ryan Donato wore number seventeen while he was here before he got dealt to Minnesota. But other than that, has anybody worn the number 17? No. Um, and it, it's interesting that he'll play 27 games from now. He'll play his 1200th, 1200th NHL game. That's quite impressive, actually. For a, Before a guy who's skating has always been his least uh, least valuable skill. To be on the brink of 1,200 games. And honestly, he's what? He's actually second in that draft class. So, well, tied with Jordan Stahl for second um, in total games played. Phil Kessel is the other guy. Is the by guy the ahead way, of him at 1,286. St- still a free agent, by the way. Still a free agent. Not very surprising. Um, no. He managed to get into the permanent uh, Cassidy doghouse last year. Yeah, but his name's still in the cup. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, too. Um, but uh, Milan Lucic, uh, I... 1,200 games is nothing to sneeze at. And yes, for a guy who his skating was always the part that was uh, dog... He was always dogged about his skating... Actually, if you watch him straight line speed, he was a lot faster than people thought. I mean, yeah, don't he ask him to be average or above in straight line speed at the peak of his career. Don't ask him to be weaving in and out and, and no. you know, dodging and dipsy doodling. That's not his game. But straight line speed, he was faster than he was he's faster not than that He's not. Um, no, he's not. He's not um, Oscar Yelvik. Uh, he's not. Oh, God. Um, he's not uh, Quinn Olson. Fair enough. I wouldn't expect him to be. On but. the other hand, I think he weighs very nearly as much as Yelvik and uh, and uh, Locke Mellis put together. So. Dan's Locke Mellis. We're going to get to him, too. Well, no time like the present. Let's, All right, let's get to him then. Let's dive into camp. Um, 
what was your biggest, strongest impression of camp? Uh, biggest, strongest impression of camp focuses on defense and more specifically the size of that defense. I can see that. I, I think that what I think for me, and this is without getting into saying who I think is going to be in the NHL first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth of any of the players there. Yeah. Of forwards, defensemen, and goaltenders, I think that the overall quality of position as a whole was better at defense than the other two. Which goes to what I'm saying, the focus on – there is a consistent focus on defense. Yes, size. But, yeah, the yes, I – because defense is better in a in a highly limited sense yeah. because we've been we've been going to camp for a while we True. never make predictions about people making the NHL out of dev camp because it barely happens and they still have to go through regular camp anyways but i was saying by the end of my first day where the leap were the scouts on Ethan Ritchie <laughs> We're going to get to him, too. <laughs> and, well, certainly the top, the, I mean, the good news about the camp overall is the top press, but shop, the top prospects really are the top prospects. Yes. Um, Fabian Lassell, first round pick. He looks like the best forward out there in almost everything. Um, and cert- and almost certainly in total. Um, Mason Lorai, round two pick. He looks like a really strong prospect. Um, I can understand why people are saying that he probably needs a year pro or half a year pro. Um, whether I agree with them or not is a different question. Does it depend on who's saying it? Um, because we know it's your buddy. Um, I think it more depends on why you're saying it and what you believe is possible during the season. And the other second round pick uh, in the in the hopper is uh, Poitras. And yeah, he looks fun. <laughs> he looks fun. I think Poitras needs a little. I think Poitras needs some seasoning. To be honest, I have a tendency to agree with KPD on this one. I think that Lowry does need a little bit more time in Providence. I want to make sure that he's up to game speed. I want to make sure that he's up to the. As much as yes, he's played in the USHL. He played at Ohio State. He played limited. After their season was done, he played limited time in Providence. I need to see that he can hold up to NHL level or close to NHL level activity for a larger scale of time. Because it's not just the physicality or the speed. It's the amount of games. Yeah. 
Um, it's even the distance traveled and all of the time zones because you're even in college if you're going a couple of time zones, you're st- you're not even playing a full forty game season most years. Um, but even Fa- even Fabian and we we actually you sent me a video of him doing an interview where he talked about the season. I mean, even Fabian hit that wall last year because of the length of season in the AHL. And he talked about how the thing that he's learned most is how to take care of himself in between games and when they have a day off or when they have time off, you know, how he takes care of himself is something that he's he needs to learn and that he is learning. I think okay, I and, would be and, comfortable with Mason Lorai breaking camp on the main roster if it's understood by him um, and the coaching staff at the beginning that they really only expect him to play 10 out of 12 games throughout the season and that he's going to sit to watch to get that extra work so that he doesn't hit the wall um, or at least doesn't splat when he hits the wall. Because, yeah, he played 31 games for – or I'm sorry, he played 40 games for Ohio State last year. Yeah. Went to play five regular season and three postseason games for, uh, for Providence and was by all accounts a solid a solid player. You know, what you're, you're getting what you expected out of it. Okay. Um, but I think if you're going to, I think that anyone who is a, enough of a fool to take him or any of the other prospects, and I think there's one who might be slightly more NHL ready than he is, which isn't to say I think he has a higher ceiling, but um, just in terms of. Uh, I think that preparation-wise, he might be closer. Um, But I want to say – or where was I? Oh, hitting the – don't want him to hit the wall. Want him to get the extra time learning the game. And for – at 6'2", he – at 6'4", he's listed at 204. Uh, Actually, no, they have him at 215 on the camp roster. Um, That's after – a couple of weeks off in the summer. Um, I don't know how much of what he's put on his muscle at, at, at 22 years old. He's probably, he's probably not been eating Twinkies the entire off season um, or hitting the cheesecake factory three days a week or anything like that. Hey, 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 <laughs> um, but no, I do not suspect him of being on the Brandon Bochensky diet. Um, that said, he, that said, Brandon Bochensky led led the KHL in scoring. So, <laughs> yes, but I was I was honestly quite pleased to see that interview because yeah. you don't get to hear some of the prospects talk very much, um, and the fact that he just basically said. Without, without, yeah. Without saying, 
without saying I'm a grown up, he actually showed he's a grown up, at least or at least trying professionally. Because there's a lot of guys who at 22 just don't get it. They've always been good. They know they're going to be good for at least another year, two years, five years, and then they'll start trying. No, but Fabian recognizing that he needs to learn how to handle himself in the off time. And why was I looking at Lorian, not Fabian LaSalle? Um, no, it was Fabian that was given the, the interview about taking yes. care of himself. And I was somehow looking at Lorai's. Uh, That's all right. We started out talking about Lorai and I can I and talking about his being NHL ready or whether he is or isn't. And I, I brought though. I brought Fabian into it with the interview. So my for fault. Forward, I, I think that it's easier to manage minutes. Like if you put him on the second if you put Lorai on the second power play and you're playing him on the third line mm-hmm. and you're targeting 12 minutes a night, I think you can do, I think you can make that transition a whole lot easier. Um, That'd be an interesting pairing. Lorai and, uh, what, what? I wonder if that works. So you, uh, yeah, I mean, you're at this point. You're assuming um, Grizzlick and McAvoy, and then I don't understand this desire to deal Grizzlick, and that's certainly another conversation for another that's time. That's a whole other show. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what people are seeing or watching. And yeah, write me and tell me why, because I don't get it. Oh, you you can write both of us because I I don't get that one either. Um, my DMs are open. You go ahead and drop your reasoning uh, as as it exists behind that one, and I promise to read it. Oh yeah, I'll I'll definitely give you credit for it. I I I just I don't get it. I don't. Understand. So you're thinking you're thinking McAvoy and Grizzlick, Lindholm and Carlo. McAvoy plays his best for whatever reason when he's paired with Grizzlick. Absolutely. Uh, and I, d- I don't I understand. Again, before. don't understand it. Maybe it's a familiarity thing, but he plays his best when he's paired with, with Matt. Uh, second pairing or however you want to number them, you can't you can't not play Hampus Lindholm. So, yes, it's going to have to be Lindholm and Carlo. Um, so you're putting you would put and of the remaining guys who are currently signed. Sporrell and Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk can spend as much time as he wants watching the NHL. <laughs> um, Ian Mitchell's an RFA with arbitration rights. I believe he filed. I'd have to double check. Um, I haven't seen enough of Mitchell to know one way or the other which way I'd lean. Exactly. Yeah. Nope. Same. Um, but I am in no way opposed to on from one or more of the defensemen who are not Grizzly or Lindholm. <laughs> so you're okay with Shattenkirk getting paid to watch hockey? I'm not okay with it. I just, that's where I think he should be. I think that he will, I think that he will be, make a fine judge of the popcorn quality on the ninth level. Um, Unfortunately, I think he's going to be paired up with Boyboard, but 
I don't know. Uh, like, given how well Loco played last season, even yeah. when it had been a month and a half since he played last played. Yeah. I I genuinely think that both Shattenkirk and Forbert have to watch out. Um, Loco's a forward. I'm sorry. No, it said Zaboral. Oh, okay. Um, Zaboral. Uh, Zaboral plays both sides too. He surprised me in the fact that he wasn't as helpless as he was prior to last season. <laughs> prior to last season, or certainly the last two games that he played in the 21-22 season, I never thought that I would want to see Zaboral in the spoke to be again. Um, I was convinced after like 10 of his games last season that there was something there. And let's face it, Forbert is not the swiftest uh, skater in the league. No. Uh, and and Shattenkirk is uh, no longer putting up the big numbers that he used to. Not unless he's quarterbacking a power play. Um, I, I just don't. I think I, they both need to watch out. I don't know that that was a. I don't know that Shattenkirk was a necessary signing. I don't. Of all of the signings, I think that's possibly my least favorite. I know what my most favorite is. JVR. I know. We know. You've talked about it forever. No, not JVR. No. no. Jason Manga? Magna? Yeah, no, no. Keep going. You'll get there eventually. Oh, Patrick Brown. I should have guessed. Nope. Um, so you know you're playing games with me, but that's all right. In so terms of this year's yes. picks mm-hmm. at camp, what did you see? In terms of this year's picks, well, after after Chris Pelosi, I don't even know who we – oh, wait a minute. No, we drafted Costa. There's Beckett Henderson, Ryan Wall. Nassen. Casper uh, Nassen. Well, Chris Pelosi didn't – the trouble is Chris Pelosi didn't do anything to stand out, nor did he do anything to draw attention to himself negatively. And I don't know if I, that's a good thing or a bad thing for your first development camp. I basically only noticed him like three times, and it wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't consistent. Like he didn't look super agile at any given point. He didn't look – super aggressive in the battle drills. He didn't look, uh, he wasn't standout in the rush and the rush drills. And I honestly can't say I even noticed him on the ice during the scrimmages. Um, so Nassen, Nassen has, there's something there. There's something there. I mean, it helps that he's, one of the two or three biggest forwards at six four and two hundred pounds. Um, but he can, but he can move that size around. I mean, he's not completely unagile, or I don't even know if that's a word. You know, he he can move that size around. He can score. He did score in the shootout. He can score. Yep. I. But again, not something that I was drawn to him. I didn't write his name down a lot. 
the two that I the two that I really liked were Hendrickson and the Enigma, the riddle, the Enigma, the the that is Christian Kostadinsky. I and yes, I, I don't uh, know what to make of this man. <laughs> it's like he's made up of two separate halves that happen to get st- glued together um, just before camp. Is it the fact that his skating is it, is the skating what knocked him all the way down to the seventh round or yes yes but all the way to the seventh I mean he size wise they have him listed at six six and two twenty eight I mean we're talking taller than and same weight as Luch in fact his posture when he's on the ice is similar to Luch at times and I I wonder how much of that posture. It impacts his overall skating because it's it it clearly pulls your balance off center. Like we've seen those posture correctors uh, for people with that shoulder slump. I I wonder if one of those would get him into a better skating form mm-hmm. because honestly none of the best skaters or even the average skaters in the league skate like that. But I didn't think his footwork – I didn't think his footwork was terrible. And he recognizes this because on Tuesday – that was the day you weren't there – at the end of drills and everything else when when they all stay on the ice a little bit and mill about and they work on this. or He was actually in a corner with – I don't think it was McQuaid. I think it was the other one of the other guys. Yeah. But he was actually working on his edges, working on going backwards, working on on pushing off side to side, working on and while being in in a corner type of drill, while working in the corner and, and backing away from the boards and how to get in and get out using the edges and everything. I mean, but he recognizes that that is a negative to his game. And that was one of the things I really loved about watching Lorai is he Monday he spent there was not a time between drills or even during the drill when the other guys were growing where he wasn't talking to a coach about one thing or another and trying to get better. Um, But then you watch, you watch him as you watch other than his skating, you watch I mean, physically he's not afraid to throw the body. He's Clearly, he knows that he knows in the limited sense that anyone is throwing body at dev camp. Yes. Yeah. He he knows his size and he knows how to use it, though. And knowing how to use it at 18 when you're that enormous. <laughs> I mean, he's. Is there any other way to like, describe it? Though? There are only like four guys at six. I mean, the defense group is huge. Ty Gallagher is the hands down the shortest guy there. At six at, feet tall. Yes. Um, but looking at him, I really want to see what he's going to be like in two, in two years. Yeah. Because if, if you know, he's, he's 18, he just... Um, give him a year or two... I think that he improves his skating. Do I think? Do I think he's going to turn into Matt Grizzly? Nope. No. But if he can get to Brandon Carlo level skating, yeah, I'll take him all day. Yeah. Um. And I think that he was. 
the other thing is, is he scored on a, on like several drills. He was what he and Hendrickson were two of the three players during the shootout at the end of day at the end of Friday. Hendrickson and Kostadinsky, two of the three players that actually scored both times they had the puck. The third guy was Oscar Yelvik. Um, <laughs> the interesting, the most interesting thing and uplifting, positive, whatever you want to call it, about Kostadinsky. I genuinely think there was an actual improvement between Monday and Friday in his scoring, in his skating. Is it a huge improvement? No. But that's the whole point of these camps is to set guys on the right track for the pros, not just stuff you can get away with or for the NHL, Um, not stuff that you can get away with in college and major junior and certain lower leagues. But the thing is, his, and the reason why he's such, to me, and, and is the skating is one thing, but then when I'm watching his hands, his hands aren't bad. I mean, he's not Sergei Samsonov. He's not stick handling in a phone booth. Well, he's bigger than the phone booth anyway, but. <laughs> Chris, uh, 15 or 25% of our listeners have never seen a phone booth. Oh, whoops. Um I need something comparative. I have no idea. Uh, but I mean, as a 17-year-old, he was one of the playing on the uh, Vastra Verlander Jr. He was right up there. He was in the top half of scoring for defensemen uh, on the roster. But that's what I'm saying. The hands are not terrible. He's actually his hands, his hands belong to. You know, a third line forward. But his skating belongs to a retired coach. <laughs> At the moment, yes. Yeah, I. And that's why I said he is quite the enigma to me. I don't, I don't know what to make of him. I don't know whether I really like him or really don't want to like him, or I don't, I don't know. Um. Give me like four or five things that stood out about individual players at camp this week. Well, I know we're going to talk about, I mean, I can just mention the kid's name when you've mentioned him already. And you know, obviously there's Ethan Ritchie, who is a discussion uh, unto his own. I was not wowed by Ryan Mast. And I heard other people say that he looked really good. He looked this, he looked that. I was not wowed by him. That being said, positionally, especially in the scrimmage, he was where he needed to be. Every time. Yeah. Like, I hate to say it because it sounds like a dig, but I don't mean it that way. And while I don't know what they're intending to do with him this year. Seemed like he was mailing it into you. It felt like he was one of those guys who was told, come to camp, go through camp healthy, and we'll talk later. Yeah, and and I hate to use that, and and I know I just said it, I hate to use the phrase, but in some some drills, he looked like he was mailing it in. But like you said, if they they told him, just get through the drills, don't do, you know, because that's honestly what it looked like. I mean, he was signed to his entry level, so he can 
he can play in the AHL, the NHL this year. He's 20 years old. Um, he wasn't signed until January 14th. I'm sorry. No, that's his birthday. Um, his contract was signed last year, so he could he could slide again. I don't know that he's going to end up in the NHL this year. But if he lands in the in the AHL, he's going to be on the short list for call-ups. Yes. He's going to be on the short list. I think so. Um, because there's – even though we just got through saying that he didn't have an impressive camp, I, it there's wasn't nothing st- wrong with his game. Right. It, that's what I'm, And that's what I'm trying – I know I'm not doing a very good job of it, but that's what I'm trying to get across is that I wasn't wowed by him. He didn't do anything that made me stop and look and go, you know what? He's actually he's at, he actually needs to go to regular training camp and, and see what he can do. And maybe he will. I don't know. I, I, I think we'll see him in regular training camp when when it opens. But I don't know that we I don't know that he's going to make it past the second round of cuts. Okay, fair enough. Uh, another defenseman that I again I'm not sure I'm sold on, but I think you and I saw different things is Mr. Jonathan Myrenberg. On Tuesday during some of those skating drills, he looked like he was struggling. But then when we were together, you made on Wednesday you made the comment that his skating was strong. And then when we watched him again on Friday during the during the during the scrimmages, I didn't have any negative things to say about him. So well, I don't know if it was a market improvement or he's just not good at drills or. Well, what I saw on Wednesday and what I have written down in my notes, um, I was watching Myrenberg in particular because I hadn't paid him any attention or any serious attention on Monday. Um I thought that he transitioned from skating backwards to skating forwards very, very smoothly without that noisy skating that you see from some players. Um, And uh, I'm actually going to criticize one of my favorite players a little bit uh, in a second. But I thought that that transition from back to front – going around uh, going around the pads was really, really well done. And looking at some of the guys who are nominally top third at camp skaters, some of them weren't doing it as well. Or they looked like it was harder for them to do. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, one of my favorite players remains Quinn Olson. Um. He he's not the best. He's not putting up superstar numbers as a as a forward elsewhere. Um, he's not putting up like he's not huge. He's not the fastest guy. Um, when I watch him at camp, I want to keep watching him. 
Okay. Like he's just finished his fourth year over at uh, Duluth. Minnesota Duluth. I mean, again, one of those M school. You know, we got Massachusetts, we got Michigan, we got Minnesota. You know, he's one of the M's. So he's one of the. Um, like I desperately need him to eat a couple of sandwiches between now and camp. Maybe have a protein shake uh, at uh, like five hours a day. He's not as bad as some of the others we've talked about, but okay. Um, because one of the things that stood out to me was it was it was during one of the I think it was Wednesday. I want to say it was Wednesday. Uh, full ice, one of the full ice drills. His team lost, or his group lost the puck, and his check, him checking. Uh, the puck carrier <laughs> all the way back I, up ice was the sort of ferocity. Uh-huh. And I use that word very, very specifically that you see from guys you absolutely want on your team. Like a uh, Joel Erickson Eck or a JG Pajot or other names of that ilk. Okay. Um, I his skating overall really, really good. One of the things I noticed Monday in those drills, uh, when they were transitioning, uh, they were skating around uh, the pads. They're, the pads are like six feet long and then four feet high, eight inches, I'm not four feet high, um, probably like six or eight inches wide and high. And the skaters are supposed to jump up and over them. For whatever reason, Quinn Olson, who is 20 pounds or more heavier than all of the defensemen, 20 pounds or more lighter than all of the defensemen, mm-hmm. was making more noise coming down uh, through that transition. And it's not like he was going faster. Um, I, I think it's something where, you know, as a bigger guy, even when I was younger and in much better shape, I had I had learned more respect for my knees and ankles by 21 years old or so um, than he has, and he needs to pay attention to that. Like, really needs to pay attention to that uh, if he wants to still be skating at the speed that he does um, in five years or eight years. Um, one of the guys who I was, and again, we're going to, as always, tempering expectations, tantalized by, mm-hmm. um, is Frederick Brunet. I don't have many notes on him. I mean, he, he can score. I liked He's, his shot. Um, yeah. He's just smooth overall, and he's he scored uh, across uh, a couple of the drills on multiple parts of the net. Uh, and I want to say this was the Monday and Wednesday notes combined. Um, it is it was just really fun to watch him. There's nothing there's like there's nothing super stellar that stands out about him. He's not the tallest. He's not the fastest. He's not the He's certainly not the heaviest, but he just did stuff right 
a high percentage of the time. Well, I, I mean, pre-show, I gave you the numbers from last season. He actually spent time with Victoriaville and Ramuski in the queue. Combined, played 66 games, finished with 73 points. I mean... And uh, our our friend uh, Dominic Tiano actually tweeted um, last night uh, something about Frederick Brunet, which I have kept up. Um, did you know Frederick Brunet is third in the Q history in game-winning goals by a defenseman? I did not third. know that. I didn't know it. Um, I didn't know it going into camp. I know it now. Uh, not hugely surprised. Um, who else uh, did you have notes on? Uh, hold on. Just one last thing on Brunei. He understands how to drag opponents one way to cut back the other way, and he does so with good timing. He's involved offensively, even going as low as the back wall, and he shoots at the right time at the point when there is traffic. Nice. Uh, elite my prospects is- draft. Uh, that's from the elite prospects uh, scouts. One of the other guys I looked at, uh, jumping to the forwards. One of the guys I made notes about, and we've already talked about him, is is, is Beckett Hendrickson. Again, one of the three guys who actually scored twice in the shootout. But first thing I noted on day two that Tuesday, <laughs> Hendrickson puck handling skills exclamation point. Guy can the, the 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 young man can handle the puck, and I'm I'm not ta- again I'm not talking like uh, top. He's he's got very good hands. He seems very balanced on his skates. Uh, one of the comments, and we we've talked about him needing to eat the whole brisket. Uh, we made that comment a few times. He does six two and only weighs one sixty seven. Maybe a couple yeah. of briskets. Maybe a couple of briskets. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the whole serpent turf on the menu. I don't pick one, but do something. That number needs to be reversed. One sixty seven, uh, one seventy six. Even that's still too light at six two. But as long as he's able to. Do it the way Pasta did. Add on the weight, but not lose the skill. And lose again, the not, speed. Yeah, not not the fastest guy, but he did have some speed. And he, he was fun to watch. I, I, I most of the notes on him all relate to his his stick handling puck puck handling ability. Um, one other guy who I find nearly as enigmatic as you find um, Kostadinsky Kostadinsky (laughs) is Mason Langenbrunner yes he he wins the uh, he wins the award for most confusing player to watch Matthew what was was that young man Matthew uh Are you not talking about Matt Bennett from a few years Matt, back? Matt Benning, thank you. Benning. Matt Benning. He wins the Matt Benning Award. One year, just looks like, eh, he's not. But this year, 
who are you and what did you do with Mason Langenbrunner? <laughs> because if you look at his college numbers for the year, mm-hmm. he played 30-something games and had one point. Honestly, one point. I'm not, honestly, I'm not worried about the points, though. He had one goal and 22 pims playing for Harvard. I'm worried about when if you watched him. him. Camp though, yeah. Like if you asked, if assuming there's no jersey numbers or names on the jerseys, and someone said we snuck a third-year professional into camp, pick it, pick out, picks them out just by the jersey number. I would, I would probably have pointed at him because positionally. Physically, during the drills, and even even into the Friday scrimmage, mm-hmm. he looks like a professional hockey player. Um, I, yeah, one of the things I wrote down was Langenbrunner looks much improved. Harvard impact? Question mark. I'm wondering if if Teddy Donato and and his head coaching staff over there haven't had some kind of an effect on you. Uh, I I would have to suspect the answer is yes. Um, Let me see. There was one other player. I mean, Harrison, I looked at one of the things I noticed about Harrison. He had a ear high. Absolute laser. (laughs) Like, legit ear-high laser go by uh-huh. one of the goaltenders. And I don't think they knew the puck had even been released until it was in the back of the net. And they, he was... They say that's the best place to shoot. Middle of the slot, wide open. Um, it was... <laughs> I was sitting there, and it was one of those times where everyone who's paying any attention just goes, <gasps> and whoa. Yeah. Um, Did you like anything you saw out of <clears throat> our favorite Latvian? I could talk about him all day, but I think <laughs> that it's probably time for us to get close to wrap up and talk about our talk about our group outside the top three. Because yes, those top three are good. Yes, He's- those top three are prop. Are by almost any stretch the excuse me the three with the best trajectory to hit the NHL. So which are you which top three are you referring to? Are we referring to Lysel, Poitras, Lowry? Yes. Okay. Uh, and like Poitras, Poitras is just a lot of fun to watch. Like he's he's, he's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. He's not the most amazing puck handler. He's not. He's sneaky. I, like, I think that's yeah, the word I want to use. Um, he's not. And when we say he's not the fastest, we're not saying that he's slow or even an average speed. Um, he's he he was above average speed for what for the guys out there. Um, in a lot of ways, if I was going to compare him to anyone um, and he's a bit bigger, um, uh, he's a bit taller the guy he reminds me of most is probably Brendan Gallagher. I can see that. Again, um, not not the biggest, not the fastest, not the 
but just reliable. Yeah, and driven. Like, Poitras wanted to score every time <laughs> the puck was within 16 feet of him. Yes, he did, which which goes against his numbers because if you look at his numbers in Guelph, he only had 16 goals and 79 assists. But yet, watching him at DevCamp, he wanted the puck behind the goalie. He wanted to, He was always wanting to put it in. He wasn't looking to pass first. That's uh, definitely correct. And you need that balance. You need that what uh, grit, that drive, that willingness to do whatever um, after uh, to make the NHL and stick. So I put together five heads. It could probably have been at least one more. Did you want three or five? Um, I want to go three, five. You told, you told me three. And, and I know our five. list overlaps. Oh, yeah, there is. Go ahead. It may well overlap <laughs> um, for probably four of the players. Uh, but go ahead and give me your, fir- give me your first one. <laughs> well, and it will not it be the Latvian because I'm going to talk about him. If it isn't be if it isn't well no but it has to be the other it has to be the other one Ethan Ritchie uh, yes it, 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 and if that isn't an overlap then w- what were you watching I, look I my one of my notes from Friday was if he's not the first star of the five on five scrimmages I don't know what anyone is watching he was he was able to shut down Lysel. He shut down Loch Nellis. <laughs> and he was it was it was literally a one on one situation with him and like I mean it was a two on one situation, Lysel and I don't remember who the who the other player was. And Richie was backskating, backskating, goes down on his belly, poke check, swipe sweep check, knocks the puck. I mean positioning, he was there. It, you couldn't shake him. The guys with the really good hands couldn't shake him. He he was by no means slow. Uh, he Ethan Ritchie, even had he not already been signed to an AHL contract, yeah, that needs to be fixed. Would have been signed to an NHL contract by the end of the week, or an AHL contract at minimum by the end of the week, based on his performance. They need to get him off of that and onto a two-way because. And- he legit had everyone talking. Oh, yeah. Everybody was coming up to us and asking about him. We, I heard his name come up walking around the lobby. Um, it, it, so he come from. Yeah, no, he's he actually is on a two way contract. So I need to just I mean, two way between NHL and AHL because he's on a two way, which means AHL and ECHL. But um. He's my, he's I think they're going to. I think they're going to feed him minutes like there's no tomorrow. I'm just um, worried that he can be stolen away. And that's why I think we will not see him in the NHL immediately. Um, there's no room for him in the NHL to play 25 minutes a night, um, no. unless there's some serious injuries in Boston. But in the up. And the other issue is that those two-way contracts between NHL and AHL count toward the 50, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they do. So they need to try and keep that window open. I get it. But if they are at all concerned about losing him, they need to do something. I don't know what. but So who's your 
Well, I told you who the first one is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the second one on my list. Go ahead. <laughs> Six feet tall, 168 pounds, uh, Yelgava, Latvia, fourth round pick in 2022. And if you didn't see the World Juniors this year, you have no idea why I was absolutely entranced and might have been the player I wanted to see most coming into camp. Uh, Danzlock Mellis. He. Okay. Without going entirely fanboy, I completely understand why he was drafted. Mm -hmm. I question why he was drafted so low. And I absolutely understand and greatly desire for him to play two years at UMass Amherst um, because. Number one, I noticed on Monday, he doesn't. He was towards the he was in the bottom half or even the bottom third in terms of conditioning at camp, which isn't. I don't know when he last skated. I don't know. I don't remember the date he last played a competitive game. You know, if it was three months ago or a month month before everyone else, and he hasn't yet started his ramp up for the fall. That's fine. Um, but he needs to work on his conditioning. And dude needs to eat. Like, he's, he's gonna get it's a, a good thing the food is good out at UMass Amherst because there's not much else around there. Um, Amherst is a... It'll be good that there's no distractions. <laughs> yes and no. Um, UMass Amherst or ZooMass as uh, many of its alumni... <laughs> have uh, have termed it yes um is a great place to study uh, if you're into that <laughs> if you're into that okay um but it's also a well-known party school um but lock mellis wonderful agility really good speed really good puck handling um more than respectable shot but uh, yeah, he so needs to. He needs to just bulk up a little bit. Um, yes. I saw him going through some of the agility drills, and he's memorable as being in that top group of skaters that I've seen since we've been going to development camp. Fair uh, I, I'm not trying to draw a one-to-one comparison to. Uh, Johnny Goudreau, even though they're roughly the same size. Um, if you think Johnny Goudreau is six feet tall, then... I I do not. They're probably <laughs> roughly the same weight. Um, if Locke Mellis can develop that sort of elusiveness, I'd be comfortable with him just hitting like 175 pounds um, or so. Okay. But... Wow, just a lot, a lot of fun to watch him go at it. Who's next on your list? Third man on my list since Luck Malice was second. And third man on my list is a young man who were another one we're going to get a chance to watch and have had a chance to watch. Also on the smallish side, but weight wise is a little bit better. It's from Sweden, playing at Boston College, Mr. Oscar Yelvik. 
Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say besides mm, quick <laughs> hands, uh, goal scoring, uh, <laughs> but two way play is the th- one thing I wrote down on day three. Day three, full group, Oscar Yelvik, strong two way play. He was actually busting his butt, getting back. <laughs> During the three on twos and 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 whatnot, he, I didn't expect to see a, a two hundred. And granted, they weren't playing two hundred feet until Friday, but I wasn't expecting to see that caliber of play. I mean, obviously, this, the the coaches want to see that, but the two way play that I saw out of him was just surprising. I, I didn't expect it, and. It was nice to see a player that recognizes that there's more than just going forward. Matt, that's not a dig at certain players who have been in camp. Uh, in the past. In the past. Um, one thing I noted about Yelvik uh, on Monday, at one point during uh, some of the drills, Mm-hmm. Lysel just walked over and briefly put his arm around Yelvik's shoulders, said something, and then went back to the drills. I don't know what it was. Um, Wouldn't be that they're both Swedish or anything. There's like six Swedish guys there. I know. Um, actually, actually, one, two, three. There's three Swedish forwards. Uh, two Swedish defensemen and a Swedish goaltender. Yeah. So we can pull we can put a whole group of six out there of just Swedes. There we go. <laughs> we can have a Swedish line. We can have a check. Uh, we can have a check five pack. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. It, it was just it, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch him. And he's actually going to be playing with uh, Andre Gasso over at Boston College. Andre is just a little bit bigger, you know, with Yelvik being 5'11 and Gasso listed at 6'5, just a little bit bigger. So that was my third guy, Yelvik. Um, He's my two-way play for me. uh, My next guy, uh, I don't know if you have him on your list or not. But I talked about him uh, before I pulled my final notes uh, on the uh, day up. Mm-hmm. Langenbrunner. Like, w- literally one of the notes that I have is stop trying to do everything. Because at one point, and I want to say this was Wednesday. You made the yeah. comment on Friday as well while we were sitting there. Because he was doing that in the he was doing that in the scrimmage as well. He was trying to he was trying to be everywhere. Yes, and I I, I am willing to bet you that Bill, if Billy Jaffe was watching or um or or uh, Andy Brickley was watching, they would say he needs to calm his game down a little bit. Yes. Um, I'm not saying he was doing wrong by trying to show off, but. Or trying to show all of his abilities. 
I am saying that if you try and do that at the NHL level, you're going to be so distracted, you're going to get beaten badly on a regular basis. Uh, you just you physically can't be everywhere and mentally. Yes, you might be able to track most of the players most of the time, but tracking all the players all of the time and the puck um, a touch more difficult. But I really liked what I saw from Langenbrunner. No, I I can't argue it. Again, he was he for me he wins the 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 Benning Award just because. I didn't know what to expect coming in since he had been around before and he didn't overly impress before, but he has certainly changed. Like I said, I, I don't know if it's a Harvard impact. I don't know if, if it's a dad. I, I don't know what the impact is, but something has clearly it's, righted the ship. It's so something like a, it's something like a, which a, 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 Switch has flipped in him from year to year, at, at least from the perspective of watching him in one camp and then the next camp. I am sure he put in a whole bunch of work, and I'm sure it wasn't a oh, let's, uh, I'm sure it wasn't someone walking by a, a bedroom and uh, turning the light on so that it's nice when they get out of the shower. It was a real progression. Um, and I, I want to see what happens next. Fair enough. Uh, one more guy that I had on my list, and not quite sure if everybody saw what I saw, but it, there's a there's a little bit of offensive ability there, and it, but I like this kid's physicality. Uh, he's a hometown. Hometown boy, Woburn, Mass., going to Providence College, Riley Duran. Didn't do, he didn't like wow, like, oh my goodness, look at that move, or oh my goodness, look at that score. Oh my, but his ability to go into players, go into corners, get physical, he's he's actually i think a perfect balance of size and weight if 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 that can be said i mean he's six, listed at 62195 he's going back to providence college again if he can continue to improve on the two way play improve on the just like the little tweaks the little nuances i think that he can be a solid like third line performer. I don't, I'm not envisioning him as any kind of top line. He's not going to be 30, 40 goals a season. No, but I, I think that, I think that he can carve out a notch and he can be a decent middle six forward, most likely third line, but it, it, there's physicality there. There's, there's drive. There's a, a high motor. He didn't make my list, but the thing uh, I noticed from him, his shot just drops into the back of the net with with like a brutal sound. <laughs> like it's just, it's like someone pushed a pallet of bricks off the side of a loading dock. Every time he scores, you heard it thump. Um, and it was, and he just. He had a couple of timely shots, and it's just clear, heavy, on net, 
Um, he didn't make, as I said, he didn't make my list, but I think that he's just, he's right there. He's right. He's doing all of the right stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and you look at his numbers at, at Providence, he's better than a half point per game. He's 39 points in 67 college games. Again, it's not NHL. I get it. it it's not a huge sample, but 67 game. Better than half point per game. I mean, he does have some offensive gifts. I'm not saying that he can only be a physical guy. He's only going to be going into corners. He's only going to get 15 points a season. It's there. I think it just needs to be tweaked a little, and, and the consistency needs to remain. That's all. Um, my last guy on my list, because the others have all been con- uh, talked about. Yeah. Um, someone I didn't expect to notice, but couldn't stop noticing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Kirwan. Really? I thought he was the most underappreciated player there. Like, he... <laughs> In a group that has, you know, Lorai and, uh, you know, even, you know, it has Lorai and Lysel and even Brett Harrison and, um, I mean, for a first look, he didn't, I know he was he in like He looked like he was supposed to be there. And I didn't see him doing anything that would cause me to put him in the bottom third in that category the entire week. Okay. Um, was, there and anything that's, that, was there anything that actually st- – I mean, was uh, everything just solid? Was – I'm trying to I, – because I didn't – I mean, it's not that I didn't pay attention. I saw his name. I saw his jersey. I know he scored in the shootout at, on Friday after the, after the scrimmage. Um, it's, it, no, it, it really ju- was just the fact that when I was sitting there Friday looking through my notes and thinking about all of the players, every time I saw Kerwin – he looked good. Am I saying that they need to immediately sign him to a spot? No, he's, he's two years into his college career. Um, if he's going back, awesome. He's at Penn state. So it's not too far away. Um, 43 43 points in 64 games. I mean, it's not terrible. His numbers were down his sophomore season. Uh, but he also missed some games, so I, I suspect there was an injury hampering things. But yeah, I mean, his his two years in the USHL, again, not terrible. Thirty-seven and fifty, and forty-one and fifty. So there's an offensive touch there. I just I um, don't know why he's. I mean, yeah, there's only so many picks in the draft. I get it. So. But, I mean, if, if you ask me, okay, tomorrow we have to sign 
three guys who were at camp and put them on AHL contracts. We absolutely have to. They've all said they'll accept if we offer them a contract. I would take him over at least three of the forward draft picks. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I mean, he did make the USA. He did make the USHL All Rookie Team. <laughs> yeah. With Madison, so hey. I, and Madison was clearly not a good team because he had a minus twenty nine. Even though he had forty one points in fifty games. Ouch. I. It'd be interesting to see if he's invited back to camp or if he gets a contract in March or April when uh, the college season ends. True. I mean, Penn State's part of the uh, it's part of the Big Ten, so he's playing against decent competition there. It's not like he's playing against Cupcake University or whatever. So, uh, not he, you know he's you're saying he's not playing against uh, Neko and um, no, no, you're sure? I'm pretty sure. It's funny that we didn't mention any goaltenders, and I'm actually going to let the show end with me not actually mentioning any goaltenders. So. But that's clearly hold not, on a second. Um, that's clearly not what the what this development. Oh, okay, is. gravity is indeed still working. <laughs> Have to check. That's not what this development camp was about. Clearly. And, yes, and that hockey fans is where we leave you. Have a great week. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the remaining RFAs and any developments in terms of arbitration. Uh, I don't know if we'll actually get arbitration dates yet this week, but uh, I will be on the lookout for them. There may even UFAs be and everything else that's going on, uh, including I'm uh, anything else going on in in the hockey universe, Chris. I was just going to say there may even be a mention of JG Pajot and we'll. And I'm going to want to bring up uh, the engraving the engraving that's already been done on Lord Stanley. We'll make time. Thanks for listening, folks. Share the show with your friends, neighbors, random people you meet on the street. Play it loudly on public transportation because why not? Have a great week. <laughs>